Welcome to a Healthy Push podcast. I'm Shannon Jackson, former anxiety sufferer turned adventure mom and anxiety recovery coach. I struggled with anxiety, panic disorder, and agoraphobia for 15 years. And now I help people to push past the stuff that I used to struggle with. Each week, I'll be sharing real and honest conversations along with actionable and practical steps that you can take to help you push past your anxious thoughts, the symptoms, panic, and fears. Welcome. You're right where you're meant to be. Okay, today I am super excited. I feel like I always say that, but I'm really excited for this conversation because I have not had anyone on yet to talk about anxiety in teenagers. So this is a much needed conversation and I know it's going to be a really good one. And I have Maddie here with me and Maddie and I are going to have a conversation about all the things and we'll just see where it goes. So Maddie, welcome to Healthy Push Podcast. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. I also am so excited to talk about this and like just be able to spread some awareness to clearly something that you haven't done yet. So that's really Yeah. Oh, it's much needed. So let's just start. Tell us a little bit about you. Who's Maddie? So my name is Maddie. Um, I'm a licensed professional counselor in Pennsylvania. Um, I live in Pittsburgh. Um, I typically work with children, teenagers, young adults. Um, That's kind of my specialty area, but I always also go throughout life as well. Um, So I have some older adults and parents as well. And then I do some family work with my teenagers because it's really important usually to have family on board um, and be able to really have at home happening what we're having in therapy. Um, So yeah, so that's kind of the population I work with. Um, I've been doing this for four or five years now. Um, And yeah, that's kind of like where I've been. And yeah, that's kind of a little bit about me. I love it. I love it, Maddie. And I think you said something that immediately already made me think, and and I'm sure we might get there, but when I was a teenager, of course, I was in um, therapy and I had anxiety disorders and a lot going on. And you just made me think how helpful it would have been, right, to bring my mom in on some of that. Because I think she knew and had some awareness, but really didn't know how I was actually struggling and how to actually help me. So, but anyway, before we go to any place specifically, let's just start with I know, of course, being a teenager, I was really good at hiding things. And I think a lot of teens are really good at hiding things and can appear to be functioning very well, despite maybe really struggling. So in teenagers, how do you see anxiety typically manifesting? Yeah. So I think that's definitely a big thing that I run into, especially because I work with a lot of extreme anxiety cases. Um, And with that can come with like a lot of perfectionism. So for them, it's really hard to show any type of vulnerability or struggle, because then that would mean that they are imperfect in some way. Um, So I often see it come up as well when I'm working with schools and the schools are like, what are you talking about? This is like our best student. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't see the behind the scenes of what's happening in order for them to get to be that best student. So I think some of the warning signs that I see for teens that are struggling, um, isolation, pulling away, 
um, is a big one. Like often parents are like, they never come out of their room and this and this and this. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that might be regular teenage. I want space and independence. And it also might be if it's like too much, it might be that there's something going on. One, two, irritability is like the biggest thing in teens. So I think for adults, a lot of times the biggest sign that we see is more of that depressed mood and kind of like sadness and like that kind of thing in teens presents as irritability. So when they are pushing back and pushing boundaries and arguing and like can kind of be short and snippy and all of that stuff, it can be a really big sign of something deeper going on. And I do see that happen a lot of times. They're like, they're fine with their friends. They're fine at school. But with parents or siblings or something like that, the irritability is so high and strong because that's where they're able to finally like, they're like, oh, I can't put on this mask anymore and hide what I'm feeling. So irritability, isolation, um, and then like the typical things that we see in anyone, any changes in patterns of sleep, um, eating, that kind of stuff can be really big warning signs that I see as well. Yeah. I'm like, of course, over here nodding my head, like (laughs) all these check the box, you know, back when I was a teenager. And I think some, some other things too, right. Refusing to go to school. I can't tell you how many times, right. I'd be like, I just don't feel good. I just don't want to go. And I mean, I think my high school years, I missed more school than I actually went. And I think it's so tricky though, because a lot of the things that you said, right, irritability, even withdrawal, like avoidance, um, there are some other things, right? Like the complaining of like stomach aches and headaches. And it's like, how do you know as a parent, like, should I be concerned or is this normal? Because I think it's very quick and easy for a lot of parents to just slap the label on. It's just hormones. They're just teenagers. This is normal. And like, I don't need to do anything about this. Yeah. Yeah. It is hard. And it's hard to say what it is because sometimes parents come into me so concerned that like, they're like, I want them to come out of their room more. And I'm like, that's just them being a teenager. Like when I really get into it and talk to them about it, it really does just seem like them being a teenager. And I'm like, well, what are you doing in there? And they're like, I'm on TikTok. I'm talking to friends. I'm FaceTiming friends. Like that's kind of the world that they live in and how they act. And that's okay. I think when we see like those other signs and there's like more avoidance of social settings, avoidance of Mm -hmm. school, like those types of things that are more problematic behaviors along with that is probably when I would be like, okay, that irritability and wanting to be alone and stuff is not just teenage years and how they act. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, my brain too just went to, I think a big uh, indicator for my mom was some eating stuff, some restricting of eating, and also some substance use stuff. I think those were pretty big indicators to my mom of like, I've got to actually, you know, get her some support. Yeah. And I think some of those bigger indicators are obviously really helpful, but still even then, gosh, I think, you know, I, I have a little one, so I don't quite have a teenager yet, but I 
can imagine how challenging that is as a parent. And let's just like talk through what are some of the causes? Because I think understanding, you know, why teenagers struggle and what might be going on, what might be contributing to this anxiety that you, you know, may want to help them get some support and help them with like what, what causes the anxiety that's more concerning. And I'm sure, so like, we all remember being a teenager, remember what it's like, but hearing my clients talk now, I'm like, oh my gosh, I could never go back to high school. Like you guys, this is, it's brutal out there. Like the way that they interact and stuff, it can be absolutely brutal. So I think some of the causes, it's kind of all over the place for all of my clients and it can be so many different things, but you have the environmental triggers. So I think that school now, there's so much pressure on them. The amount of schoolwork that so many of my clients do is through like two in the morning and they're not procrastinators and they're not kids that are like, you know, avoiding or anything like that. It's truly just that they have so much unbelievable work going on. One, two, it's awesome. These high schools are like really pushing them and want them to like do big things, but that's what they talk about 24 seven at school. So there's this enormous pressure to do something big, get into a great school, go somewhere, be something, all of that. So you're getting it from school. Then they come home. And I think the difference for what we experienced as teenagers now is they come home and we were able to leave school at school, right? If there was friend drama, you left it at school. If there was like whatever, like pressure from the school to get into a good college and stuff, you left it there, right? Now they come home and they're sitting in front of their phone. There's no off button with their friends. If you've ever seen a teenager's Snapchat, absolutely insane. They have like 200 Snapchat notifications at a time. To me, that's draining socially. So they can't get away from that. They see, oh, my friend's doing this, my friend's doing that. Um, They did really well on their science test. I did not do well online. They're still talking about it. They're talking about how hard they're studying. I need a break, but is that wrong? They like get on social media. They see influencers now that are their age that are making millions. And they are like, I feel this enormous pressure to be doing something more, right? So all of that. And then I typically see what the real core from all of that is is truly this negative self-talk and image of themselves that is so horrible when you hear them talk about themselves and like how they respond to themselves when they make a mistake or when something goes wrong or just day to day, they are ripping themselves apart every single day. So I think the internal of what people don't see is probably some of the biggest reasonings I see for teens struggling. Yeah, gosh, I so much of what you said, right, resonates. And I think, unfortunately, right, with how kids are being inundated with just so much information and social media, of course, can be incredibly harmful. I know it's harmful for myself as an adult and I'm 36 years old. I just think of, you know, my nephews are more nearing the teenage years. And I just think of how overwhelming mentally and, and you're right, it leads to this place of constant comparison, 
constant pressure. Like I have to perform. I have to figure out who I am. I have to be something incredibly amazing. Mm-hmm. It's just what a weight, you know, to carry. Wow. And those, you know, then you sort of adopt your own expectations and they might not really be your own. They're coming at you from all different directions. And it makes so much sense, right? Why so many kids now, especially after the pandemic, are walking around with so much anxiety with just the nature of the world that we live in. I think something that I want to talk about because I think like you said, negative self-talk, the internal struggles that they are going through are really, really big and really overwhelming to navigate as a young person in this world. So I think something many of us struggle with, including teenagers, is this overthinking. Like we're we're thinking constantly about every aspect. Like how can I do better? How can I be better? How can I, you know, look more like this person or achieve or how the heck <laughs> do we rein it in on the overthinking? Yeah. I mean, that is so hard. And I tell all of my teen clients too, when I work with them, I'm like, this is a lifelong skill that most adults don't have a strong grasp on. So it's hard. So you're not meant to constantly be perfect with it. Right. But I think some of the best ways to handle it, I really, really, really love taking a self-compassionate approach. Um, So self-compassion is what a lot of people come to me and say, like, I want to build my confidence, right? I want my confidence higher. I want my self-esteem up. And that is great. However, that is so fragile, right? So the second you don't get invited to a friend's house, but someone else gets invited to the friend's house, the second you don't do super well on the test. The second you look at someone on social media and think, wow, they have it better, your confidence depletes, right? It's so based on achievement and based on exactly what's going on, it cracks like an egg immediately. So what I like them to turn to instead is more the self-compassion approach. So self-compassion takes more of an idea of kind of like, it's also like a worldview as well of we are all human and all humans deserve some type of compassion and kindness. And because I am human, that means that I also deserve this compassion and kindness. And what I find is I usually will do an exercise with them that I'll say, okay, think of a time that a friend recently came to you and they were struggling because you love your friends, right? And they're like, yeah. They come to you, they ask you, they tell you like, I did so terrible on this test. Like, I'm so stupid. I can't believe it. And I say, what would you say to them? And they're usually like, it's not a big deal. You're awesome. Like, don't worry about it. A mistake's a mistake. It's just one test. Like, you'll get through this. It doesn't define you. Like, you're so awesome in all these other aspects. There's so many other things about you. And then I say, okay, now talk to me about a recent time where you were struggling with something. And then I say, what were you saying to them? Saying to yourself. And they usually say something along the lines of, you're so stupid. How could you do that? You should have done better. All of those things. And then I say, okay, compare the two. Why is it that we are able to give so much compassion to people that we care and love about, but we can't give it to yourself? 
So that's kind of the switch up that I like them to see with self-compassion is that they deserve that same compassion that they would give to someone that they love. And then trying to cultivate that and figure out like, how do I get there? Is kind of like the best way I think sometimes to stop that like overthinking and comparison is really leaning into that. Yeah. And I think, gosh, I'm really happy to hear that teenagers come to you and say, I want more confidence because I don't think I ever could have gotten those words out or recognized that when I was a teenager. But a lot of what I was looking for was more confidence, more trust and knowing in myself and my identity that like, it is okay that I'm where I'm at and this is what things look like and just being more confident. So I'm so happy to hear that. And I think recognizing, right, self-compassion is this tool, is this thing that we can use to help us Mm -hmm. to experience more of these things that we want and to build more, you know, solid trust in ourselves of like, okay, it's okay that it looks how it does, but here's what I actually want. Here's what I'm going to work toward. And like, I'm going to let myself be human in the process. Yeah. It's just wild, right, of how much crossover. I think, of course, the teenage brain and the adult fully formed brain is, is different, but acknowledging we all really need a lot of the same things when we're struggling with anxiety, like it's crazy. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I want to get into something because I know this is something that people, you know, especially uh, parents of teenagers and children um, in my community really struggle with is, I I struggle, right? The parent struggles personally with an anxiety disorder and they're really worried or fearful that their child or teenager has begun to struggle because of them. Mm-hmm. And they're thinking, oh my gosh, like, what do I do? What do I do to support them? I don't want them to struggle. And yeah, I just am curious, what would you say to that parent? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think at least weekly, I have a parent come and sit in front of me and they are like, Maddie, what the heck do I do? Like, I just want, I just, I just need a little bit of guidance because I just want my kid to be the happiest they can possibly be. And I feel lost because there's no, there's literally no handbook. There's no guidebook and every kid's different. So it's really hard to say. And I think that's sometimes where the support of a therapist is really helpful because I can get this inner insight from the teen and then work with the parent and helping them understand that. Because I know parents are like, well, I said the same thing. And I'm like, yeah, but yeah, mom and dad. (laughs) (laughs) And that's sometimes how it is. But I think for those types of parents, I would also recommend that they follow the same types of things that they that I'm telling their teens are the same things that they should be doing as well. So first thing, awareness is like huge, right? So if you're coming to me and already saying like, I have anxiety and I am so scared that like, because of me, I'm seeing them struggle now and stuff. I'm like, okay, well, you already have this strong awareness. So that's the first step is that you're already aware that you have anxiety and it could sometimes bleed into your teenager, right? One, two, let's take that burden off a little bit. It is not all on the parent and it is not all because of them. There are so Mm -hmm. many other things that are contributing 
to your teens, anxiety, mood, depression, all of those things than just your own mental health. If you feel like your mental health is struggling so much that it's like actually really, really, really bleeding into the rest of your family, obviously please go seek help through your own therapist as well. But I think it can be also this fun journey of like, you're struggling and I am also experiencing similar things. And let's try and like work through this together. And let's really both lean into taking care of ourselves, being compassionate towards ourselves, right? Because if they see you following those steps of like strong coping skills, strong self-compassion, challenging distorted thoughts and like thought errors and stuff, they then will also be able to model that. Because while they have that strong brain that like is starting to resemble adulthood, they're also still children, right? Mm-hmm. Which can be treated like adults because I think that that serves them well and that they deserve to be treated like they aren't a child. Yet at the same time, they are still learning and their brain is, their brain is still picking things up. So they're going to model things and do what you do. So I think it can also be a good way for parents to really be motivated to take care of, take care of themselves too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you said that. Cause I think as a parent, right. I think we just always want to fix, like, I see that you're really struggling and I want to fix this for you and I want to make you better. And I want to make sure that you're, you know, happy all the time, which isn't really even achievable. (laughs) Right. Right. But I think you go into this fix mode rather than like taking a step back and saying, right, what do I actually have control of? And something huge that I have control of is how I'm caring for myself, how I'm nurturing myself, because they're learning from me, of course. And so I think part of this really goes to like letting them see that you are actively working on yourself and having a healthy response to anxiety and really navigating their emotions, your own emotions so that they can see how to navigate their own in healthy ways. Because I think something so many of my students and clients say, right, is I remember as a teenager, as a young child, I was super anxious or I had my first panic attack and I had no idea what it was. I had no idea what was happening. It scared the absolute shit out of me. And And like, I wish somebody had talked about it. And so I think that's the other challenge too, right? For parents is you want to protect them. You want to shield them and and make sure that they're not going through hard things. But where's the line, right? Of like actually talking about some of these hard, big emotions and not trying to always hide, shield and protect them. Yeah. 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 And one thing that you said that really, really resonates with me. So I, in family sessions, I would say the number one conversation that I will have with teens and their parents is the teen comes to me and is like, they just like, I'll tell them something and they'll be like, well, just do this. Like, right. They fix it. Yeah. Most of my parents are fixers and they want to fix it. And I totally get why, right? You want to fix it. And sometimes it's hard to hear your teen talk about something over and over and over again without fixing it. Because you're like, we as adults now have these experiences that we are able to 
look back on and are like, okay, well, in my experience, this worked for me. So let me give you that so that you can fix it, right? What I hear over and over again, mostly teens really just want someone to listen. So empathy is all they want. That's literally all they want. And then through that empathy, eventually you'll probably be able to work through finding solutions and stuff. So they're not just like sitting there in their miserable state without doing anything. But the first thing that teens want is really just someone to listen. So sometimes I'll tell parents like, hey, one of the best things to say when they are complaining about something is to say, hey, do you want a solution right now? Or do you just want someone to listen? I would say mm-hmm. nine out of ten times, they just want someone to listen. And that listening does not mean things like, oh, I get what you're going through because I had this experience and blah, blah, blah. No, they literally just want you to be like, that is so freaking annoying. That sucks. You know what? That really sucks. And like, I can see how that's really frustrating for you. Yeah. He is like literally all they want. They thrive off of it. Yeah. Gosh, this sounds like me, right? Like when I have a problem, I'm like, no, 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 no. Don't need you to fix it. I just want you to listen. Like, don't try to solve this. Trust me, if this were really solvable, I probably would have figured it out by now. (laughs) Yeah, I would do it. Yeah. Yeah. And they like that, that they don't want to hear a solution and they don't want to hear that like, oh, it's not a big deal. You'll be fine. They don't want to hear that either. They just want, they just want empathy. So think about, like you said, like, that's what you want. That's what they want too. They want the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so much of becoming a parent, right? I've had to pause, right? In so many moments where I want to fix and I want to protect and I have to ask myself, ooh, mm -mm, slow it down, Shannon. Like what is actually going to be helpful? And allowing her to do more navigating and figuring out and me just being there to say, you know, what do you need? How can I help? Do you want me to listen? Do you want me to solve? You know, and, and I think just listening and giving them that love, that that empathy. Oh my gosh. That was like the best thing that my mom did for me when I was yeah. struggling, truly. Yeah. And yeah. and I think too, I love your thoughts on this because I think I've worked with a lot of people too who their parents will often say, my kid is, you know, a really shy kid. My kid's a really anxious kid. And it makes me cringe so hard because I feel like I got labeled as an anxious kid. I got labeled as that kid that always was sort of problematic, or at least that's how I translated it. So I think these labels too, it can be really hard for kids to take that on and feel like, my gosh, everyone is just labeling me as this kid and maybe I am this kid and maybe this is entirely who I am. I'm just anxious. Wow. What a problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, so in my first couple of years, um, working as a therapist, I was working in an intensive outpatient program. So those kids were in treatment for nine hours a week. Um, it was a lot, but I think especially for a lot of those teenagers that were going through that as well, um, labels can one be helpful in some ways because it gives you some type of like identification of, okay, this is normal. And I now have an understanding and a reasoning why, but there's also the other side of just being that anxious, shy 
kid that can be so harmful as well I hear so many teens that would come to me and just say like my parents just think I'm something broken that needs fixed right they just want me fixed and when I talk to the parents that's not necessarily what they're thinking they just want their child to be happy right but because they're always like talking about how they are so anxious and they're so depressed and they're so shy instead of sometimes leaning into that and being like, yeah, mm-hmm. it is okay to be anxious. There's nothing wrong with being anxious, right? I think learning to sit in that anxiety is one of the most important things learning that we can do because otherwise we're running away from the emotion and it usually leads to poor coping skills. So instead of labeling that as like something bad, it's not. Label it as something that is okay and normal to experience that we are going to get through and you don't want to feel like that forever. And it's definitely difficult and challenging, but it's okay to do those challenging hard things and be uncomfortable sometimes. That's not a bad thing. Oh gosh, dang, that's so good. (laughs) Like, It's so good because I think right normalizing because it is very normal especially as a teenager i feel like what teenager doesn't experience anxiety and especially oftentimes an overwhelming amount of anxiety that can you know look like having panic attacks and like some really scary stuff and i think this is one thing you know i talked to my mom about as an adult i you know she experienced panic as a kid or as a young adult and i said i just wish you would have talked to me about it you know i wish you would have just normalized the feelings of anxiety and what it can look like and to help me understand like what was going on and i think just having a better understanding of emotions themselves like would have helped me insanely and I have the best mom in the entire world, <laughs> but I think we're all working off of, right, the knowledge that we have, and and I think it's hard. It's so hard being a parent, and so I think, like you said, being compassionate with yourself, also as the parent, trying oh, yeah. to help your teenager, like, that is huge, and not telling yourself you're the reason, you're the cause, they're, they're you know like you said, quote, broken because of you or, oh my goodness, that stuff, right, is not going to be helpful at all. There's so much goodness here. And I think, so can you just give an example? Because I know people are probably curious of like, my child definitely has an anxiety disorder, is definitely struggling. I don't really know like whether I should be like, helping them or pushing them or really like encouraging them like is there a line there right I that's so tricky yeah there is such a line and um so one of my specialties is OCD obsessive compulsive disorder which is an anxiety disorder um and in that treatment it's all about exposure and sometimes there is a little bit more of a push right um instead of avoidance of things that the brain is saying that you're scared of. Um, And in that modality, I like to really implement with the family kind of like a fear hierarchy and a number system of, okay, they're freaking out right now. I want to push them to do hard things. And I want them to be able to push through anxiety sometimes, but I really don't know when to push and when to pull back. 
So I'll play with a, with a number system a little bit and implement that with the teenager as well. So one to 10, how, how anxious are you right now? Right. If they are in eight, nine, 10, gosh, don't push them anymore. They probably can't handle it at all. So that's when we, we pull back and don't push them to go do the things that they're scared of and hard. And that's hard to do. Then we're in like the five, six, seven zone, that might be where we really encourage positive coping skills and encouraging them to do all of the things that are going to help them calm down from that anxiety. And then below that is really where you can encourage and get them to push through any uncomfortable feelings because they can probably handle things that are one through four, right? So even just as simple as a number system, it can work differently for every family. Some people just like to be like easy, medium, hard. How is like how terrible is this right now? Or like absolutely earth shattering or mediocre or easy. Like, what do we think right now? But I think even just that and like talking to your teenager before of like, I want to know when I should lay off. So what can we do so that I can be able to lay off easier without you having to say too many words, right? Because we all know that if I mean, if I'm super anxious, please don't ask me too many questions, <laughs> right? Like, don't I, I can't answer anyway. I'm anxious. Like, I don't want to answer that. So just something as simple as like one to 10, how bad right now? That's a simple answer that they can be like, eight, leave me alone. <laughs> and you're like, cool, right. understood. Let me lay off for a bit, right? So that can help as well understand yeah. kind of that line of when do I push? When do I pull back? Oh my goodness, Maddie. So much of what you shared has been so incredibly helpful. And I just feel like what keeps popping into my brain right now is just not not convincing yourself as the parent, right? That all of this is your fault or that your kid is broken and that you need to fix them. And and like there's just so much goodness in that. And self-compassion on all levels. Like you really learning it, you really getting good at it. And and helping your teenager to get good at that because that is something that I swear if I had learned earlier on, yeah, it would have changed so much for me, like so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I have loved this conversation. So if people have, of course, teenagers or or younger adults and they want to find and connect with you and learn a bit more from you, where can they find and connect with you? So you can find me on Instagram at Maddie Weimer. So M-A-D-D-Y-W-E-I-M-E-R dot L-P-C. So Maddie Weimer dot L-P-C is where you can go ahead. You can follow me, message me there. um, And I'd be happy to talk with people a little bit more there as well. I love that. Thank you so much, Maddie. Yeah, no problem. I hope you enjoyed this episode of A Healthy Push. If you want more, head on over to ahealthypush.com for the show notes and lots more tips, tools, and inspiration that will support your recovery. And if you're hoping for me to cover a certain topic, be sure to join my Instagram community at A Healthy Push and let me know in the comments what you want to hear next.